Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Alright, welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Freeland. I will soon to be joined by my partner. He is the other half of the Canyon Connection. His name is Christopher Butt. He is my brother from another mother from another country. 
um, which isn't that far away, but I like that like it is. Uh, coming up on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about the fallout from the Tuesday Night Wars. My God, if you've seen all the reactions on social media, you're probably thinking, I never want to have another Tuesday Night War again because it's nauseating to listen to all of the back and forth between uh, the wrestling fans themselves, not to mention Tony Khan. We're also going to be talking about what was the final decision that WWE had on the CM Punk situation. Now, Survivor Series is supposed to be emanating from Chicago. Would he be available? Well, we're going to find out more about if he's interested in coming back. We also have some news on Impact Wrestling, who has some big announcements to make, and Bully Ray believes a certain person added to the roster could be a good thing. Billy Corgan also chimes in and says that his company, BMWA, has signed a top 20 TV deal. We'll get into that too. All of that, and there's going to be more. But let me go ahead and let me bring him in right now. He is the other half of Canon Connection. We affectionately refer to him as the ass man. His name is Christopher Butt. What's going on, man? Hello, Michael. I am doing fantastic. It's a good day. It's a gorgeous fall day here in the great white north that you think I live in. Uh, my igloo is nice and toasty. Nice. I was out hanging out with my pet polar bear this morning. Nice. Before I went to work. He, he's doing well. Nice. He's, he's a solid 700 pounds now. Takes up a lot of room in our bed, but he's, he's, right. he's a good boy. No, I got that out of the way. No, things are good, Mike. Uh, yeah, beautiful fall day here today. Uh, it's 15 or 16 degrees. That's, so I don't know, about 65 degrees, I guess, to you guys. Yeah, that's a uh, nice one. That's nice a beautiful and sunny. One. No rain, no snow, no fog, no nothing. Life is good. Fall is here. Yes, it is. I don't know if I ever asked you this, but um, so your wife is a coffee holic, correct? She likes the coffee. Yes. You do you like the coffee on the level that she likes the coffee no. or no? Okay. No, I have my uh, morning coffee getting ready for work. Okay. And then I grab my to-go cup. Nice. I'll sip on it on to drive to work. It's I mean it's a 32 ounce Yeti cup, so it's it's quite Jeez. a to-go cup. Beats. And uh, so I'll sip on that for the first hour of my work day. And then that'll be it. About the only time I have a coffee in the evening is the nights we record. Yes, got to keep yourself awake to listen to all the bullshit that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> get up. I get up at God off early, you know, between five and six, I'm out of bed getting ready for work. So, holy snot, I can't imagine her. that. Linda likes her coffee. She's a coffee aficionado. Oh, I like that. I'm a, hey, what do we have to make coffee out of? I don't care. <laughs> I uh, I like the coffee. I like the coffee. I you know, I, I told you and I mentioned this that everybody uh, is probably familiar with. I'm a I'm a pumpkin person, and I got onto this pumpkin spice thing. Literally, I want to say it was pre-pandemic, and I really liked it. And now I feel like I'm indulging in way too much pumpkin stuff, and I feel like I've kind of run its course with me now. I I, I overdid it with my enjoyment of the pumpkin flavored. Now I kind of want to back off a little now. I'm now into hazelnut. And let me tell you something, friends. That's a nut. I don't have mine to having in my mouth. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I don't need this. Oh, my God. So we it's ordered the f- um, coffee from, from Newfoundland. 
Yes. I'll get it shipped up. It's from a jumping bean is the company. Okay. And it's a, a screech flavored coffee. So screech is a Newfoundland rum. And I, I enjoy that. I'm not a big flavored coffee guy. Right. Uh, but the screech flavored rum is nice. You know, just make it normal have with cream and sugar, milk, sweetener, whatever, black. I enjoy that. That's about the way flavored coffee I really go with. You ever, I mean, obviously not going to work, but you ever put any Bailey's Irish cream in the coffee? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Every Sunday morning, buddy. Oh, that's delicious. That's yep. delicious, and it's all nice and warm. It was funny. I remember when, when people would say, you know, why do you think people live in really cold climates in the wintertime, sip on, you know, sipping whiskey or whatever? Because it literally does get you warm. It, it does. No joke. You you feel different. And uh, I'm not even a drinker, but uh, I can I can attest to a couple of times where I've indulged. And yeah, it definitely has that uh, that uh, warming feeling and makes your cheeks rosy and and all of that good stuff. So uh, you've always so, yeah. got a bottle or two of Bailey's kicking around the house. Oh, it's good stuff. Every no, Sunday morning, we'll get up having our coffee, you know, depending on. How I feel like having my day. Some days it's a lot of coffee with a little bit of Bailey's. Some days it's a lot of Bailey's with a splash of coffee. There you go. And we go from there. So, so many things are happening in the world of wrestling. I want to get to them. The first thing I want to get to is, as we all know, Tuesday night they had their big wrestling wars. It's the first time in quite some time, many, 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 many moons, that NXT and AEW went head-to-head on a Tuesday night. Now, the reason why is because, obviously, with the TNT and TBS network owned by Turner, they do basketball um, with the NBA. They get bumped for that. And then in the fall, uh, wrestling gets bumped for Major League Baseball playoffs. So they kind of bounce around with scheduling with uh, with their programming. Now, I will say, much like a lot of shows, if it doesn't air on the night that it's supposed to, you don't typically get the same audience that you would normally have on a regular night. I think that goes for anything. People are creatures of habit, right? They know this night I'm doing this, this night I'm doing this. And this was a different night. Um, But both companies put on a show. We're going to go over these shows. We're going to talk about what we thought went well and what we felt like might not have gone so hot. So, Butster, my first question to you is, um, do you feel like this is a good idea of two companies having shows on the same night, kind of splitting uh, the audience? Well, this really wasn't a split when you hear the numbers, but... What do you think, or do you think it's better where fans can focus their attention on one show one night and one show the next night? As a fan, I would sooner they not air at the same time. It just gives me more options. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I don't watch a lot of NXT. Uh, I watch AEW, as you know. Uh, I watched AEW, I watched last night on, on demand, and I was watching NXT tonight on demand as well. Just trying to get a little caught up. So I knew we were going to talk about this. Sure. Um, to me, it's life's easier if you're on different nights. Because I can only watch one TV at a time. I'm not going to buy another TV to set up in my living room so I can watch both of them because Linda will kill me. Do you, do you think some people actually do that? They'll set up two different TVs and they'll have well, both shows. Like, how do you even focus? I know guys that do that. Wow. Football season, hockey season, stuff like that. I know guys that do it. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, when I get emotionally invested in something, I'm I'm into that. I can't be like, oh, I'm really into this, and then turn my head and look at another screen and go, okay, now I'm into this. Um, 
that's why that whole picture in picture thing. I'm not a big fan of the picture in picture because I feel like I get easily distracted. I can't mind my own business. So that I don't necessarily know if it does much good when it comes to this, but you, you DVR'd both. You were able to watch one and then you're able to watch another one. Thank God for DVRing because yeah, we're we're kids of the late seventies, early eighties. So we're uh, definitely in the whole VHS hit play record at the same time. Make sure you got a fresh tape in there. And that's how you would old school record. Yep. And uh, I remember asking for Christmas, just get me some, uh, a big thing of tapes. That's all I wanted. Big thing of tapes, a VHS tape. So I could label my stickers and I would record every single week and then I'd watch them back and pretty crazy, pretty crazy. So that was my network. It just makes life easier for you. you Oh, sure it does. If you're doing something in this case, Tuesday night, you know, we generally record. We we couldn't this week. So I, I was doing some other stuff. I didn't have time to watch the shows live. Now, if you can watch them on demand or DVR, however you do it, life's just easier. No, I agree. No, you can watch it at your leisure as opposed to, oh, I got to be in front of the TV at 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever it is. Not everybody can can live life like that. I know I can't. There's always something to do. There's you always yourself, something going on. After time, you'll hear from me, especially on nights we're doing the show. No, hey, I'm ready. Uh, I'm in my wood shop. I'll be right upstairs. So I lost track of time. Because we all have life. We do. The DVR right. just makes it easier for everybody. No, I agree. I agree. And I don't know how long it takes for DVR numbers to come in to uh, be processed as far as, you know, total viewership. But um, we'll go into what the total numbers were. We'll go into what does it really mean? Does it really mean a whole lot? Does it not mean anything? Should people be hitting the panic button? Should people, other people be celebrating, jumping for joy? And we'll, we'll get into that a little later. But when we talk about the NXT show, Cody Rhodes announced the return of the men's breakout tournament and officially the Dusty Classic. He told NXT Universe that he will be the guest general manager for Tuesday's show that was live. Now, other than that, the American Nightmare was also there with Dominic Mysterio, Rhea Ripley, John Cena, uh, Finn Balor, uh, Paul Heyman, uh, and The Undertaker, uh, and including also LA Knight. So let's kind of get into this and find out what happened here. First of all, Roxanne Perez, who we've seen her on the independent circuit many, many times. I think we've even seen her on some AEW programming early on. She took on Asuka in a match. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes things work out well, and sometimes things don't work out so well, especially when you have a veteran like Asuka and somebody who's new and up and coming. Uh, The match got a C-plus by Bleacher Report when uh, Asuka defeated her by pinfall uh now Shotzi Blackheart was on commentary during this time and uh Perez tried to defeat Asuka many times with roll-ups and small packages but that obviously did not work for her Asuka showed respect to Perez after the show when she ended up taking a bow to her opponent obviously keeping her baby face status live we had a pub rules brawling brutes in Tyler Bate versus Gallus match Now, as many people know, this is no different than a street fight or anything to that nature. Fill in the the city name. So, Butster, you and I have been to wrestling shows before when they say, 
tonight we're going to have a fill in the blank street fight. And the entire crowd goes crazy because evidently every town is known for their street fights. Uh, Butch Ridge Holland and Tyler Bates worked really well uh, together as their trio. Um, they went ahead and had a very decent match right now. Um, Wolfgang and Mark Coffey also came down by ringside. The babyfaces then finished with a triple powerbomb on Joe Coffey through a table, and that ended up winning the match. Bates, Butch, and Ridge Holland uh, defeated Gallus by pinfall. The match itself got an A- from Bleacher Report. I don't necessarily know if I would go that high. The match was entertaining, um, but we'll we'll look at it. Now, what are some notable moments during that match? Both teams hyped each other up backstage before the match, but then Gallus attacked the faces during the entrance when they were coming out to the ringside. Now, Butch stabbed Joe in the hand with a dart from the dartboard. Uh, the bout also went the first 30 minutes commercial free, and then obviously 60 seconds after that 30-minute mark. So it really did kind of set the pace for the evening that night. Uh, all three faces simultaneously did their finishers. Things went really well. Um, so that was your match for uh, the, the Brawling Brutes, which, again, I actually like the Brawling Brutes. Uh, John Cena makes an appearance here. God bless John Cena. He um, goes ahead and he almost gives Braun Breaker an attitude adjustment. So John Cena put over the importance of NXT to all the viewers at home before Braun Breaker eventually interrupted him. Now the two came to blows. Breaker went for a spear, but the champ, you can't see me, evaded it and then attempted to do an attitude adjustment before former NXT champion ended up spilling out, taking a powder and ducking outside. Now, obviously, this is going to lead up to a Carmelo Hayes versus Braun Breaker match later on, but the segment itself kind of fell short, and it only got a C. Um, Dominic Mysterio took on, and I'm I'm horrible with names, so people think, well, you don't watch this because you can't say his name. Um, I, I just I'm horrible with his name, Dragov uh, versus Dominic Mysterio. And we had a special guest referee, which is LA Knight. Now, many people are starting to get on board with the Dominic Mysterio. He's really become more of a sinister heel and not just some young kid who's in the industry right now. It was a decent match. Um, Dominic Mysterio actually ended up losing. Um, and the match itself was graded as an A minus. If you haven't seen it, obviously you can go ahead and check it out on demand as well. The women's breakout tournament, Lola Vice, she ended up taking uh, with Electra Lopez to on Denny Palmer. Um, the match itself, if you're not super familiar with some of these women in NXT, I definitely think you should watch it. This one was very green. It had a lot of uh, miscues along the way, we could say. But Vice defeated Palmer by pinfall to advance to the semifinals of the breakout tournament, which will continue next week on NXT. That match, by Bleacher Report, got a D+. Now, Carmelo Hayes with John Cena versus Braun Breaker and the man in his corner, yep, ECW man himself, Paul Heyman. The match was a very good match, in my opinion. I thought it went well. I thought the additions of Cena were really good. I thought Paul Heyman always does an excellent job in, in anything that he does. The match ended up going to a B-plus grading by Bleacher Report. Hayes defeated Braun Breaker by pinfall to earn a spot in the NXT Championship and to be the number one contender next week on NXT television. Uh, Cody Rhodes, as we said before, he was there. John Cena was there. The Undertaker was there. 
Dominic Mysterio was there. Uh, so many major stars were there as well. Now, Bleacher Report obviously gives the show an A- minus overall. But, Star, I think you know what I'm going to say on this. Had this just been the regular NXT roster versus a- AEW roster, or whatever you want to call it, would the NXT show have gotten 921,000 viewers? Possibly. Um, I don't follow NXT a lot. I said that earlier. I talked to Brandon. You know, he he follows NXT. He thinks NXT is the greatest wrestling on TV right now, above SmackDown, Raw, Dynamite, everything. He thinks it's fantastic. I read about it more than what I do watch it. NXT sounds good. Like, you know, from everything I read, whoever's giving these matches the ratings on Bleacher Report is a moron. I'm sorry, you're an idiot. The Oscar match was not. A terrible. It was a. I thought it was a fantastic match. So they gave it a C. Moron. I'm sorry. I, I get it. It's to each their own. Uh, let me see. But what they that's just fooey beyond all fooey. To I would say we didn't get a fooey tonight. Yeah, oh, it was a, get a, a C plus. Yeah, no, wrong. Sorry, he's wrong. I get it. Opinions, but no way. Because um. Roxanne's amazing. She's going to be something special. She's only 20 years old, I think, or 21 years old. She's going to be excellent. Well, okay, so let's pause there with Roxanne right now. So many people would compare Roxanne to uh, Sky Blue, if, if you're looking for a, a counterpart with AEW. Okay. Um, do you feel the same way? I know you're a Sky Blue person. Do you, Are you a big fan of Sky Blue as much as you're a fan of Roxanne? Or who do you think right now kind of has the edge? Roxanne. Okay. And I'm a big Sky Blue fan, you know that. I yep. think Roxanne's amazing. I think that young lady has such a promising future, right? Yeah, she's she still has to develop, but she's only been wrestling for three years, I think. Yeah, not very years, long. Years. That's no, that's a cup of coffee. But she was in there with Asuka, and she did not look out of place. Yeah, there was a couple small hiccups, but come on, man, like. No, that was a little. I thought that was a harsh rating for that match. So no, I I think I thought NXT was fantastic, and from everything I hear, NXT's got a great show. I'm glad NXT and AEW don't go head to head every week. I know you probably don't want to hear that, but it's, I think NXT beats guts out of them. Whether they had Cena, Undertaker, LA Knight, whoever, wouldn't make a difference whatsoever. NXT is good, like from what I seen, and not just because of the stars, right? It was their homegrown guys on it, were excellent, and girls were excellent. Well, for those of you who may not be super familiar with Roxanne Perez, or you might not watch NXT all the time, Roxanne Perez's real name is Carla Gonzalez. Uh, she's a professional wrestler. She signed to WWE under the NXT brand when she became a free agent. She's actually a former NXT Women's Champion. She's also a former NXT Women's Tag Team Champion. Now, people say prior to WWE, where was she? Well, she wrestled under the name Roxy when she was in Ring of Honor, and she was also the inaugural Ring of Honor Women's Champion as well. She did make some uh, appearances in the independent circuit. She also did some stuff with Ring of Honor as well. 
she was looked at in a lot of people's eyes as a very high prospect of somebody who could do really well for themselves. I do remember seeing her on the independent circuit and having a lot of people buzz around her as far as what she could do. Um, in April of 2021, Roxy made a Ring of Honor debut. She uh, teamed up with Max the Impaler. And if you haven't seen Max the Impaler, my God, you need to take a look at this. The, the level of dedication to that character is insane. Well, they went to a time limit draw in that one. Uh, then Roxy competed in the Ring of Honor Women's Championship Tournament, where she defeated the likes of Sumi Sakai, Quinn McKay, and the very famous uh, Angelina Love. Uh, at final battle, she actually defeated Miranda Elise to become the inaugural women's Ring of Honor world champion. And at that time, she was the youngest Ring of Honor women world champion at only the age of 19. Now, she would also go on to be confronted and have interactions with people such uh, as Deanna Peraza as well, when she had a brief stint and an appearance in Impact Wrestling as well. And then by March of 2022, all of that publicity in her matches got her signed to a developmental deal in WWE NXT, where she has made her home ever since then. And she's definitely made waves. So I'm happy for her. Uh, I, I do think she's a good wrestler. I think that there's some greenness still with her. Um, Butster noticed that as well. I mean, she is just 20, what, 21 years old, and it's going to take her some time but i think getting in the ring with more seasoned talent is is definitely going to make her better overall and i think when you work with somebody could you possibly work with somebody more professional um and more respected than oscar because right now oscar is considered one of the most respected people in the women's locker room in wwe as far as the other matches i mean carmelo hayes I think Camarillo Hayes is, is really good in NXT, and I think he's got the ability, the demeanor, um, and his matches are really good. He is very entertaining. Now, the big question with Carmelo Hayes is, is he going to transition well over to either a Raw or SmackDown? I think they're going to take these NXT people, and they're going to push him to the moon. I really believe that. Um, but the big question here is, you know, what's going to be next? How does that work out for him? I, we say the same thing about Braun Breaker as well. Ron Breaker was actually gone from, from TV for a while, and now he's back again. So I think there's definitely a lot of potential, but it's it's just depending on what ends up happening when they cross over. I mean, we, we said the same thing about Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa um, when they were in NXT, Adam Cole, everybody else, when they got the move to the main roster. Now, I will say, keep in mind, that's when Vince McMahon was in charge, and he was not high on those NXT guys where Triple H is high on these NXT people. So maybe this crop of NXT guys will maybe get a a more fair shot, we should say, at the main roster and finding success. Would you agree? 100%. They have a much better chance now than what they did before. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Dargano and Adam Cole all missed opportunities. Uh, great Town Keith Lee, another one. There might have been some other backstage issues with that, so that that's a different conversation. But it's been a lot of talent come up from NXT and become irrelevant very quickly. How you couldn't have found something to do with, it, especially with Tommaso and Johnny Gargano, how they couldn't transition into being something, anything really makes my head hurt a little bit that was atrocious well but everybody's got a much better chance now 
Well, the one thing I will say is, uh, I think it was on Monday Night Raw, they actually teased that DIY, which was the tag team um, of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gorgano, before they ended up breaking up to have their legendary feud, mm-hmm. um, was a great tag team. And I hope they do get the opportunity to rekindle that and at least have a decent run in WWE. Now, they're both smaller guys, and I, I know Triple H isn't necessarily against the smaller guys, um, you just have to keep that in mind against the landscape of you know who your champions are and how much you're going to try to push these people. But hey, uh, Brian Danielson had that that big old glass ceiling, and he broke through it. So I think the chances of these guys succeeding, as long as they stay healthy, is probably really high. Couldn't say it better. So Bleacher Report ultimately gives the NXT show an A- as an overall grade itself. Uh, Let's go ahead and let's switch over to the AEW show. Now, as many people know, AEW was not on their natural night, which normally is Wednesday nights. Um, They were having what they call Title Tuesday, which there were several championships that were on the line. First of all, the women's championship was on the line. Saray was defending her world championship against... Hikaru Shida, which turned out to be a really good match. Short, but a decent match. Um, We also had the International World Championship, which was Orange Cassidy actually taking Ray Phoenix. Uh, It was originally announced that it was going to be Jon Moxley. Unfortunately, uh, just hours, I guess, before the show went on, Jon Moxley did not get cleared uh, based upon his concussion protocol. So he got replaced by Orange Cassidy. Uh, Max was on the show as well. He had an interaction with the Bullet Club, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Some people thought it was anti-Semitic and there were some issues with all of that with everything going on right now in Israel. I think that's looking a little too far deep into the whole thing. Um, We finally got to see a good breakout moment for powerhouse Hobbs, which if you're a powerhouse Hobbs guy, which I am, you're happy to finally see that happen for him. Uh, Great match with hangman Adam page and switchblade Jay white. So let's kind of go into it right here. Um, we start off the show, what they do is called the buy-in with AEW pay-per-views. It's no different than what WWE used to do with their free-for-all, they would call it. Basically, it's a match before the show goes on to hype everything up. This is also on YouTube as well. So it was Minoru Suzuki against Eddie Kingston. And both the New Japan Openweight Championship and the Ring of Honor World Championship were on the line. Uh, I don't really understand why that needed to be done because you're not really going to put a title on Minoru Suzuki right now, unless it's the new Japan one. Uh, I don't really see him doing anything with ring of honor. The match was brutal. That's what I will say. They went at it tooth and nail. They chopped each other. They hit each other. Um, It was good. I mean, you know, there were moments when you forgot about the age of Minoru Suzuki and you really saw him just as a fighter. Um, A lot of people don't know this, but he was in pan craze which was actually a rival to UFC back in the day. So he is an actual mixed martial arts fighter. He can go. And he had a great match with Eddie. I think in so many ways, this is the highlight of Eddie Kingston's career right now. I mean, he's over with the fans, but he's now he's getting his just dues. He's a double champion. Um, Whether Tony Khan will give him an AEW championship of any of them at some point in time is still to be determined. The match was brutal. Fans were into it. It was just brutal. I mean, that's really all we can say. I mean, when you talk about strong style, this is the epitome of that. 
Uh, Buster, your thoughts on Minoru Suzuki? They've used him many times in AEW. And Eddie Kingston, it just feels like this is an old-school 1980s uh, type of just last-man-standing type of a match. Because well, they're both the same same style when it comes to that. Like, they're stiff. Like, teetering on being pissed out of each other, legit fisticuff. If those guys are stiff, they lay it in. Eddie Kingston's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, Suzuki, if he feels like it, he'll tie you up or not. Yes, he will. And that's it. And and see, here's the thing about the former MMA people, or, or whatever you want to refer to them. If Suzuki really wanted to hurt you, he could do it in a heartbeat. He yeah. could do it in a heartbeat, but he's in the entertainment business. But definitely don't piss somebody off who... Who is a mixed martial arts fighter and obviously tough as nails as Minoru Suzuki because he will humble you very, very quickly. But absolutely, it was a great match. And it's interesting because the AEW fans really responded to Minoru Suzuki. And during his theme song, they were they were singing to it and they were chanting his name, which, you know, nothing but respect for the veterans in, in the industry, which I really liked. Why would you use this, though, as your your opening match? It was the buy-in, actually. It wasn't yeah, even sorry, yeah, you're buying it. Though. Before Dynamite even went on the air. I agree. I'm. Why would you do that? So Eddie is New Japan champion. Yeah, yes. I get it. Fair enough over here. It doesn't mean nearly as much. Right. But it still carries value. Correct. He's your Ring of Honor champion. Correct. So he's... Uh, how do I word this? Rob sounded like a jerk. He's kind of your minor league champion. I know that sounds... Bad. No, I knew, I'm I not trying to take saying. anything away because you know I love Eddie Kingston, so I'm not being a dick, but but he's important. Why do you have him on your buy-in? I, that to me doesn't make sense. The that only thing foolish. The only thing I can think of when you put something on a buy-in is you want to set the tone for the night. You want to get the crowd excited. So when the, the main show starts, everybody's you know rip snorting and, and ready to roll. But again, you're wasting. You're wasting a match that the worldwide audience who watches this would have really enjoyed. And I feel like you're right. Um, it was it was squandered on that. But um, again, it's booking decisions, and we find that that seems to be a consistent I- issue with AEW. Um, Brian Danielson took on Swerve Strickland in a match that was awesome to watch. Um, first of all, Brian Danielson is really good at what he does. I mean, the match he had with Zack Sabre Jr., the matches he's had before um, with Max as well. He just goes. His motor doesn't stop. But I'm going to tell you this right now, Swerve Strickland. It's time, man. It's time for Swerve. Swerve Strickland not only has the appeal, he has the charisma, he has the mic skills. Um, he, he had a win at Wrestle Dream over Hangman Adam Page. Despite how it may happen, he still ended up coming out with the W. And you would think this would be the next big moment in his career by beating somebody like Brian Danielson. I fully expected Swerve to win this match. Uh, I know a lot of fans would probably say, are you nuts? Like it's Brian Danielson, but Buster, we've talked about this before. The reason why you have veterans is that you go out there and you have great matches uh, using these veterans, but you eventually have to somehow transition over to the younger guys and allow them to be the flag bearers. Am I right? A hundred percent. That's exactly how it should work. But don't forget Strickland's not like he's 
this Johnny on the spot just came along. He's been around. He He's has proven been. himself. Right? It yeah, just it would have helped, I think, his um his character if he had got the whim at that point. Cause Brian Danielson wins and losses to him at this point is irrelevant. Correct. Regardless of what happens in his match, the next time he has a match, you're gonna watch it. He could go he could be your next Barry Horowitz and not win for 17 years. And you still watch every match. Yeah, I'd agree. Because every match is gonna be that good. He's he's fantastic in the ring. Right. Swerve would have benefited greater in storyline and character growth with a win in that situation. I agree. I could have got more out of it going forward. I yes. Think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, with Brian Danielson, the only thing I can think of is that there's going to be, uh, he's going to do the job for him in the rematch. There's got to be something that is done for Swerve because think about it from this perspective. You do not sacrifice Hangman to put Swerve over if you're not going to do something with Swerve because you're not going to have somebody beat Hangman Adam Page for no apparent reason, right? There, there's got to be something to it. You're not going to, oh, Hangman's going to lose tonight. Well, why? Well, because we're pushing Swerve. And then the following match that he ends up having, you think he's got momentum going into it. Because remember, this is for the number one contender to the TNT Championship. And this in itself opens up a great debate on, you know, Christian Cage has done a great job with the championship. He's he's stabilized things, right? He's, he's kind of brought everything back to a homeostasis. Do you take the championship off of Christian Cage right now? Because he's white hot as a heel. But then again, you also got to say, hey, you know, if you if if Swerve had won and he became the number one contender, do you put the belt on him? Because the the match is supposed to be happening Saturday night at a collision, um, which again too fast. I feel like so many things happen so fast. Um, but that that can be debated. I mean, again, do you keep it on Christian? Do you, do you keep things calm for a while instead of playing, you know, a hot potato with the belt, or do you say eh, sometimes you just got to pull the trigger? Um, but Brian Danielson won. He's going to be taking on Christian Cage on collision for the championship itself. You got to think that Adam Copeland is going to be involved in this in some way, shape, or form. Guaranteed he is. And uh, if you don't mind, if I, I'd like to backpedal just a second here. Sure. A win over Hangman Page these days is not that big of a deal. Hmm. I think Hangman has gotten lost. He's, he's not nearly as important now as what he was. Still putting off great matches, but he's not he's not a superstar anymore. He's he's really not. Once again, it hurts me to say it. I like Hangman Page. You know that. But I don't think he's as relevant as he was. He's, he's basically mid-card at this point. So for Swerve to go over him, yeah, it gives Swerve, he beat somebody with name recognition. But he's only really got name recognition in AEW, in that the AEW circle, really. Right. And his name is not what it was, unfortunately. Yeah. he He's fallen off. 
And I don't know. He never never recovered from when he took time off when he was supposed to get his championship run. I don't think he's ever gotten back to that level. I mean, th- th- there could be an argument for that. I mean, you know, when he reconciled with the elite and he kind of came back into the fold and he and Kenny and, you know, was it t- too much, too little? I mean, it could be. It's a really good question to ponder. So for people listening here, what are your thoughts? Do you think Adam Page has taken a step back? Do you think maybe Tony Khan is cooling him off a little bit in pursuit of other people and their success? Or do you think it's a situation of, you know what? The feud's not over yet. Um, maybe maybe Hangman Adam Page gets involved uh, in the match, you know, and, and he gets somehow gets involved more with, with Swerve and, and this leads up to which is going to be their their next big pay-per-view. So we'll have to see about that. Um, After that, another great match that I think that they had. By the way, um, the grade for that match was an A. So Bleacher Report ends up giving that match an A. Uh, The Minoru Suzuki um, against Eddie Kingston end up getting a B. So we move on from that one. We move on to Chris Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs in... Man, there's so many things to break down with this one because you got to think to yourself, if you don't do something with Hobbs and his contract expires, he's going to leave. And rightfully so. You have a guy who is, I think, good in the ring. I think he sells his ass off. I think when he needs to talk, he can talk in small doses. But he's such an imposing presence and he's got such a physique. He's a monster. And a monster should be treated like that. He should be eating people up, waiting to get that next spot. And taking on Chris Jericho, you had to think. You had to think that Jericho was going to do the job and, and end up winning this match. Now, interestingly enough, the match was uh, stopped by referee Aubrey Edwards. So there was no pinfall, no submission. So Jericho, in some way, would have some level of deniability as far as what Hobbs did. But there was no denying what Hobbs ended up doing. I think it was something like six or seven uh, spine busters. Uh, there was an Irinagi that was done as well. And Hobbs just literally just pushed him in the corner and would just gut punch him and, and maul him. Very reminiscent of what Vader would do. Um, there was a, a classic match on WCW Saturday night where, where Vader took on Mick Foley, Cactus Jack at the time, and it was just a brawler. I mean, he just got destroyed. Um, are you surprised that that Jericho made the the decision to say, you know what, we got to put Hobbs over? No, Jericho's a smart guy. Been around forever. Was he forty years in the industry now, or thirty five years, or something like that? He's been around a long time. He knows how it works. Uh, you don't got to be a genius to figure out that powerhouse Hobbs needs a push of some sort. He, uh, you summed it up perfectly. Much as that pains me to agree with you on things, you summed it up perfectly. He's a beast of a man. He can wrestle, you know, and it's not just a pure offense, pound the guts out of the guy he's wrestling. He's done. He can sell as well. He he's more than adequate in the ring, right? Mike works okay. That that's something that needs some improvement, but that's fine. There's been lots of guys that needed help with that. You can you can improve them. 
right? Teach him a bit, get him a manager, both, whatever it would be. That can be improved on. But he's been squandered, wasted, where you want to call it, really for the last uh, year for sure. Maybe a little bit better. He was he was relevant when he was with Team Taz, but that was short short term. That just got screwed up, unfortunately. And if you don't push him, like you said, he's gonna be like, cool. <laughs> My contract's up. Yeah, uh, no, Tony, I'm I'm not resigning. I'll go to NXT. Yep, I'm not gonna make the money. I ain't gonna be there long. They're gonna bring me up, right? So I think it's just a matter of the Jericho's been around long enough. He understands. He's a smart man when it comes to the wrestling business. He knows what's best for the business. And they, they just had to put him over. They they couldn't keep pissing that much talent away. Because if they did, well, he's he'd be the next warlord, basically, and he wouldn't fire from it. I agree. I agree 100% with that. It's, um, I mean, if you look at this, and you mentioned this earlier on, what did NXT do? NXT focuses on their young stars. They try to make them to be, you know, really relevant. And I think when they bring down these other big names, I think what they're trying to do is end up making that transition to the main roster smoother, where it's not like, oh, who is this? Not to say WWE fans probably don't watch NXT as well, because they probably do. But I think what they're trying to do is incorporate the main stars with these guys as well. So at some point in time when you bring them up, it, it's just a natural transition instead of bringing them up and then all of a sudden they have these matches and there's no connection with the audience. They don't, oh, I remember when he did this with this guy. Okay, now they're going to continue it, right? So you're you're laying the foundation of something that could happen on a SmackDown or a Raw and it wouldn't seem out of place where AEW, in, in some ways, they didn't really give you much of a backstory of some of these people. And I think the concept of Dark and Dark Elevation. I think those were the only two. Were there another one? Dark yeah, I Elevation. I can't remember anymore now because I never got them. Yeah. They were on YouTube and once again, there's only so much time in the day. I can't. And, and I think that there was an expectation that people would get exposed being on those shows, being on YouTube. I don't think that really panned out the way they had in envisioned it and then the other thing that i don't think panned out very well was the whole ring of honor thing either um i think that if you're going to have a ring of honor let it be its own separate entity let it let it do its own thing don't keep doing this crossover with aew stuff so if you're going to have a, a ring of honor group have them but keep it separate um the crossover stuff doesn't really do a whole lot for the aew brand itself um, and belts for the most part don't really mean a whole heck of a lot unless you know they're they're being defended in a meaningful match in a meaningful way and nothing against Minoru Suzuki but I mean there was no chance that there was I mean they announced as a title match but I mean come on nothing's gonna happen plus New Japan would have to sign off on something like that for a championship to change hands on a non New Japan show um, so anyway that's interesting enough. Uh, speaking of Wardlow, 
uh, we're actually going to get to Wardlow. And uh, I wonder if Tony's starting to see the light on that. We'll, we'll get to Wardlow in a little bit. Uh, earlier on, we talked about how the AEW International World Championship was supposed to be. Uh, Ray Phoenix taking on John Moxley in a rematch in the match where Moxley actually got concussed early on. Uh, and, and a lot of people have asked me, they said, well, when did Moxley get concussed? From what I have heard, it's when Ray actually came off the apron um, and I guess did a dive or uh, I think it was a dive or a somersault off of the ring apron and it clocked Moxley the wrong way. And, and Moxley was never quite the same for that entire match. He was punch drunk. But and that's what ended up getting heat on Rick Knox as well, because Moxley was trying to tell him, hey, look, look, I'm 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 out of it. Just pin me. Let's get this over with. And he didn't. And so that was uh, not that didn't look good on his part. But Moxley wasn't cleared. So obviously we're not going to get the rematch. So what happens? Well, they bring in Orange Cassidy, the man who's held the championship for over a year and defended it against so many different people. I believe he had something like 26 title defenses. He ends up getting his rematch with Ray Phoenix, but here's the funny thing. Ray Phoenix is now injured. So John Moxley drops the title to Ray Phoenix because Moxley's concussed. Well, Ray Phoenix is already beat up as it is. He ends up getting more injured in the match with Moxley. So then he ends up having a match with Orange Cassidy, and he has to tap out because of his back. Um, so the match goes on, and, and obviously... Uh, Orange Cassidy gets the confetti. He is the champion again. They really built this up with uh, Orange Cassidy. Uh, he stared at the belt a lot. The confetti went off. I mean, it seemed very Shawn Michaels. The childhood dream has come has come true. It, it felt like that in some ways. Um, what are your thoughts on this one, Bud? I mean, we 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 had the belt on Orange. He had a great match with John Moxley, which elevated him even in a loss. Moxley's not a guy who needs a belt. Why would we put it to Moxley? Because at the end of the day, it just doesn't have the same meaning. Moxley's not a guy who needs a belt. Why did we even come up with that concept? I thought personally, the whole point of taking the belt off of Orange Cassidy was to give him a little bit of a break. Yes. Because he was on every week, which is fine because he puts off great matches. That's got to wear on you. Plain and simple. And it's not like his matches are five minutes and it's done. You know, he's flying around. He's bouncing off of everything. You know, he's crashing. And it's just, he was beat up. That was So what I thought was they were just going to give him a break. Still have him on, but not get him pushed like he is. I think the reason to put the belt on Mox, right or wrong, was more it gives it name value. He, he's a much bigger name than Orange Cassidy. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying he's better. I'm not saying he's worse. I'm not going down that road, but he's a bigger name, more recognition. So if you put the belt on him, it makes the belt seem more important. Because Phoenix wasn't supposed to beat him for the title. Correct. They Phoenix was never incorporated into any of this. No, but you know. Mox got concussed in their match, so they had to go some route. So Phoenix ended up getting the belt by default. No disrespect to him, but that's that's what happened. They, they had to do something because they knew Mox was going to be off for a bit with a concussion. 
So you got to move the belt off of him. So you give it to Phoenix because that's who's in the match with him. But Phoenix was never in no. the equation any way, shape, form. So you you were fairly confident that that wasn't going to last long. Right. Right. But it's just a little bit of irony. I thought they took the belt off of Orange Cassidy because he was beat up. Then they had to take it off of Mox because he was hurt. Then had to take it off of Ray Phoenix and give it back to Orange Cassidy because he's hurt. Kind of makes Moxley and Ray Phoenix feud matches, title changes. Nonsense. No. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, no, albeit it all got changed because of injury, so it was all kind of changed on the fly. But you're right back where you started. Like, I know. Why could I you know. not go a different route as opposed to giving the belt back to Orange Cassidy? And it's not that he doesn't deserve it. And it's not that he's in a great champion. Because he is a great champion. And he's a very entertaining wrestler. And I love watching him. But put it on somebody else. Even if it's just for a little bit. Because you're right back to where you were. And it just makes two Taylor Reigns kind of look pointless. Like, yeah. So that's my... That's just my take on that. No, I agree with you. I think it, what you said makes a lot of sense. I mean, in the concept of because all they did, if if you remember this, is all they did was play it up. They said, "Oh, you know, Orange is is beat up," and remember his wrist and his back and his ribs, and you thought, okay, so in storyline, they're going to take the belt off of him for the sake of the fact that he is is dealing with these injuries, right? So it made sense if he lost to Mox. He wasn't 100%. There's his out right there. Oh, if I was 100%, you know, I would have been able to, to have a higher quality match with John Moxley. I don't think you can get more out of Orange Cassidy than what you got out of him at Wrestle Dream against John Moxley. I thought that was tremendous. However, you take the belt off of him. My big question is this. I mean, he's got the belt back now, but when you take the belt off of somebody, it tells me one of two things. It says either A, you're going to cool this person down for a little while, or B, you're going to turn this person into something else. He's going to go after something else. Does Orange Cassidy ever become more as far as a champion than the international world title? Meaning, do we start to crest him over into the... AEW world champion category, or do we say that might even be too far for him? I can't see Orange Cassidy as your world title. Uh, TNT champion, yep. International champion, yep. I don't know. How do I put this? I don't know if his persona is enough to carry the championship. The heavyweight championship. I'd agree. It's just his his gimmick of the the meh, I don't care, nothing matters, ho hum, I don't give a damn. I don't know if that would get over as the heavyweight champion. And and this is not when I'm saying this, I'm not saying his in ring ability is not good enough to be a champion. It's just his character itself. It's just the whole gimmick I don't think will get over as a heavyweight champion. Do you think in some ways people can be hamstrung or pigeonholed 
into a situation. Again, what you said before was so eloquently put, not because of their lack of abilities, not because of that at all, but because of what their character is. And they say, oh, you know, characters can change. They can turn from a face to a heel or, or back and forth. They can be a tweener, whatever it may be. Orange is one of those guys that he's not a, he's not anything. He's just orange. And, and I don't feel like you're going to get a whole lot of an evolution with his character unless you see more of this fired up intensity from him. And we've seen that in small doses, but you're right. He just doesn't have that. I'm the guy feel to it, you know, and it, where you get that feeling with a max or a Jay white or a Kenny or a Jericho or a Moxley where you actually say, Oh wow, geez, they're not messing around. Like you got to take this person seriously. You know what? I think it'd be fun. I don't know how you could do it. It'd be a major transition of his character. Is Orange Cassidy as a heel? Like a legit scumbag heel. Cheating, up to no good, none of this hugging the best friends nonsense, none of the thumbs up. Just an honest, nasty. It'd be... So far off from what he is now, but no, when he does an interview, there's life to it. There's just something. He's hollering. He's, you know, getting animated by it. I'd love to see that. I think that'd be fun. I, I enjoy when a tweener or a heel, or sorry, a tweener or a face turns into just a nasty a horrible person heel not just a heel i'm talking a scumbag you, you just hate their guts i think that's fantastic i love it no i think that w- when you take somebody like that if they have the personality yeah absolutely you can turn them with orange it's again it's such a different situation because so much of his success is built off of the nonchalant sloth mentality. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me if you what you think about this. Let's go back. He loses at Wrestle Dream to John Moxley in a bloody brawl match, whatever. Maybe the next segment or so, they go backstage, and all of a sudden, they go to interview him, and you start to see the seeds of things change of the frustration of this and that. Um, And then all of a sudden you start to get this, like, is he going to crack type of thing? And then you tease that. And then you continue to build on that. I don't know how you introduce him to the audience as being a heel or not, but I definitely think what you could do is you could say, he's one of those guys who's passive aggressive. We never saw this coming. And then you could definitely see where he he completely snaps. And, and whether that makes him a full-fledged heel or not, but I think there's got to be some other level. Well, what truly gets Orange Cassidy fired up? You know what I mean? And I think if you tap into that, but still keeping the persona of Orange Cassidy, um, I think it would be great. They could do a segment where he goes to a, a psychiatrist. And, you know, all of a sudden he, he has these moments where he becomes this different person inside, right? I don't think you can do that anymore, Mike. That'll upset somebody. Uh, I don't know. 
I'm just I'm just saying there's got to be a way that we can somehow bring it out of a character like an Orange Cassidy, right? If you are going to make him have this sinister side or he has a split personality or he's whatever, there's got to be a way that you can kind of tease that out of him, right? Yeah, I, I agree. It's just you got to tread lately these days. So you, I don't know if you could go the mental health health route. That would, I don't know. I just don't know if that'd fly. Uh, speaking of things that uh, didn't really fly was the fact that Wardlow has not been really used, uh, I believe, and many wrestling fans believe, effectively in AEW for at least a year. Um, however, Wardlow has come back. He made a big surprise a couple weeks ago. He had a match on Tuesday night, uh, title night, with AEW. He squashed Matt Seidel, and we started to get the Wardlow chance back again. And I feel like it's it, it, this is your last chance. Strike three and you're out the old ball game. If they don't do something with him right now, that's it. It's over. And, and may, it may already ready be over you know, with him. But they got the Wardlow chance going again. He destroyed Matt Seidel. But he did the same thing he did the last couple of weeks is after he gets the pin, he, he steps out of the ring, goes over the guardrail, and just exits. So it, I, I don't know where this is necessarily going as it relates to Wardlow. Do you think when you look at Wardlow, you look at powerhouse Hobbs, um, do we even see a real clear path to where either one of these guys are going to go? I mean, let's go back to powerhouse for a second. All right. So he beats Jericho, right? Um, he should, he and Don Callis should come out on next Wednesday night and they should make some type of proclamation. And they should throw out a challenge to, to somebody. And they need to continue to build on that. Now, with, with Wardlow, he's kind of an enigma, right? He's kind of the guy who just destroys people, looks like Goldberg in, in his, his presentation. But nothing really ends up happening with him. Where do you think this goes? Or are you just as scratching your head as most other people are? I don't know where it's going to go because it's it's gone every way but up for both of them for the last however long. Uh, both have been derailed, sidetracked, turned upside down, and everything else. So where they're going to go, your your guess is as good as mine. Nobody can predict this. There's not not a damn soul. I don't care who you are because it's it's just it's been start stop. You know, getting pushed, totally forgotten, not on TV for months, two-day title reigns. It's just been so poorly handled, the pair of them. I don't know what's going to come of it. Um, with the Wardle part, him coming in, pounding whoever and leaving, I kind of like that. Just He just walks out. Like, I'm just here. A match, I'm gonna beat the crap out of whoever it is, and I'm just going hell home. I kind of like that. It's it's something different about it. No hype to it. He's not jumping around after the match with Gap. That's what I came here for. Came here to punch that guy in the mouth, power bomb fourteen times, and leave. And that's what he does. It's it's different. It's it's been done, but it's different. It's not everything's been done at this point. Correct. I, I enjoy it. I do. But once again, I'm I'm a bit uh, slanted when it comes to that. So I like Wardlow. 
You too. It's, it's killed me the whole time with how poorly he's been used. I know. I, I'd almost go as far as say I have no faith in either one of them will go anywhere because both of them have been handled so poorly by creatives. Well, you, but you also got to think about this. I mean, we've said the same thing. So, like, every time somebody gets released from WWE and they sign with AEW, um, everyone says, well, the, the roster keeps getting bloated. Well, I think it goes both ways, too. I think every single time somebody doesn't work out with AEW, I think, well, someone has to take a back seat if you're going to bring this other person in. So, I mean, essentially, if you see these people, like, for example, if you're going to go ahead and, and use Jade Cargill in WWE, and I don't know where she's going to be, rumor has it she's going to be on both SmackDown and Raw, but someone else has to take a backseat because she's going to take TV time up, right? So every single time, it's this big carousel of moving parts, and who gets time and who doesn't. You bring a new person into the mix, someone's got to come back out of the mix right now, Right. So it's just very interesting if, if WWE did get their hands on a powerhouse Hobbs or a Wardlow, what are you going to do? Only so much time that you can, you can use people with. So I think, again, it goes both ways completely. Even though WWE's roster is significantly smaller, um, it still begs the question of how do you use them? Where are you going to put them? Now... There was a really interesting match between Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. Uh, not Swerve Strickland, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Switchblade Jay White. And I had a feeling that Switchblade Jay White was going to win because he's already booked as, as being in the main event of the next pay-per-view. You're not going to have the guy who's booked is in the main event for the pay-per-view to lose leading up to the pay-per-view. I mean, that's, that's just common sense. Are we right on that one? It should be, but come on. Look what we're talking about now. I know. I know. You can't tell me you'd be shocked. I wouldn't be, but it just it, it would kill any level of momentum. You have to build up a feud to a pay-per-view by having the guy who's calling out the champion to to lose leading up to the championship match because then no one's really going to want to be that invested into the match because they're like, well, this guy's already gotten beat on his road to the title. What makes us think that he's going to win the title? Um, so match between switch um, switchblade Jay white and hangman Adam page. You had to figure, man, you had to figure if they were going to be pushing uh, swerve hangman has to lose. If they're going to be pushing um, switchblade hangman has to lose. And, and that was the case. Hangman took his second loss in a row. Um, he ends up losing to Switchblade Jay White. Now, obviously, during some shenanigans happened for him to win the match. Uh, that's here nor there. The fact of the matter is the person who ends up getting the W in the record book is Switchblade Jay White. And he's doing this whole shtick now of he and the Bullet Club, and he has Max's belt, and how he's kind of the unsung AEW world champion. Max comes out, and he kind of explains to the audience why he sees a lot of himself inside of Switchblade, and he didn't like himself, and he was that dirty, uh, dastardly heel who would use people and, and do anything to get what he wanted, and he even pointed at the guns and uh, Juice Robinson and said, look, he don't even care about you guys. He's just like me, but every day I try to get a little bit better because of my buddy Adam Cole. Um, it doesn't end up going so well. Uh, Max doesn't get his belt back. Um, outside of, of the match going well for Switchblade, um, 
Juice Robinson ends up having a roll of quarters and he has Max's name written on the roll of quarters and he shows it to the camera. Now, this is kind of a callback to, I guess, a couple months ago when Max used to say the reason why he is the way he is is because uh, I guess he was dyslexic and he had a speech impediment and he had some other problems, emotional problems, and he used to get picked on and people would take rolls of quarters and, and throw them at him and beat him up and all that. And they would call him Little Jew Boy. And again, with everything happening in the world today, the roll of quarters situation, they never made any reference of his of his religion or anything like that. They just said, we're going to beat you up again, just like the other bullies. Um, it got traction in the news. It got traction all over social media and in some websites as a anti-Semitic uh, segment produced by Tony Khan. I think that was going a little far um, as far as some of the blowback that they got from this because it had nothing to do with that. Uh, even though Max in his promo several months ago said, I was called little Jew boy and, and I was bullied and people would throw quarters at me. I just don't see Tony Khan okaying a segment that would be so sensitive to what's happening in the world right now, unless uh, Juice Robinson went out and did his own thing, which we know that a lot of people in AEW, they have that leeway. And sometimes you live by the freedom, you die by the freedom of letting some people talk on their own, right? I mean, either it can go well and be organic, or it can be, holy shit, they took it way too far. I didn't expect them to take it that far. Did you interpret that situation, that segment, as being anti-Semitic intentionally? Yes, uh, I, I think uh, no. I, I think people are overall a little too sensitive these days. You know, you know how I feel about that. We've talked sure. about it numerous times. But with everything going on right now, that's part of a program that doesn't need to happen. It was one hundred percent. Well, it was a dig at Max about when he was a young fella and they were throwing quarters at him and saying, pick him up, Jew boy. It's 100% what it was. Right. And with everything going on with the warring and, and all that, which we're not getting into, I don't think that was a smart move. Yeah, it was a little anti-Semitic. Now, was it completely over the top? No, but it was in poor taste. I don't think, personally, I don't think that should have happened. It's just, there's just no need of, of something like that. That's that's pretty crappy way to try to get heat. I don't know, like, you'd be further ahead to say something about his mom, I think, to try to get heat than, than go that route. Or go his learning disability, or I mean, and and why do we even go into these directions? Why don't wow. we just, why don't we just you stick to wrestling? I, 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 I guess the thing that I don't understand sometimes is why do we have to go to the cheap heat? Like why do we have to do that? Why do we? Because it's easy. Yeah, but it, does, it doesn't make good television. It, it because no. it just it oozes with insincerity when it comes to the fans. And you're you're basically just saying, "Well, this guy doesn't like this guy. Well, what's an easy way for one person not to like another person? Oh, for this person to say this, 
And it's like, oh, for the love of Why God. Why can't it just be, Mike Freeland, I think you're an asshole. I'm going to punch the shit out of you next week. And then you go, Chris, for a bottle, I think you're a piece of shit, and you can't kick my ass. So next week, I'm going to punch your teeth in. And then we beat shit after the next week. But here's what I would just be something real simple like it could, that. It could be, but here, here's what I would say in my promo, Chris. I'm gonna knock your teeth out. And on top of that, because I know you're in Canada, you probably won't get to see a specialist to fix those gnarly teeth for at least a year. So guess what? I'm gonna be bringing to the ring a huge can of soup because that's all you're gonna be eating. I have insurance. I can get and see a specialist for my teeth pretty quick. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it doesn't need it doesn't need to go the personal route. No, it does not. No, no, Christian making a comment about Nick me Nick Wayne's mom. That's probably not the best. But let's be honest, everybody enjoys a your mama joke. Sure they do. And and plus I will say and, this. And that's not um insensitive or or racially motivated or 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 religion or it's it's none of that he's being he's being an asshole he's being immature but it's nothing you it's know nothing what crossing mean? the line that, that's just being a jerk i will say that I, I will say this though nick wayne's mom she's a pretty woman she's a very very attractive woman yeah Surprised they haven't used her in in storylines or used her in some backstage segment or something yet but should be interesting, but yeah, and I agree with you. I think there's certain things that can can you can tiptoe that line, but you don't want to necessarily cross it. So I'm interested to see you know what the fallout of that is because as as I said, it did make national news. Uh, Tony Khan's AEW had anti-Semitic um, wrestling segment. Which now I, would it be as big? Sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. You're fine. Now would it be as big of a story? So say Juice came out, same thing, with the quarters, Freeman, da da da. If it wasn't for what's going on with the warring right now, do you no. think it'd be as big of a deal? No, because it would still be anti-Semitic. Correct. Right. But it's just it's it's a it's a hot topic right now. Correct. And, and it's a huge deal, and I'm not trying to downplay it. What's going on is bad, hundred percent. We're not getting into it. But it, it's bad news bears. But it it but definitely makes sense. Would it be considered or looked at the same way? You're right. I don't I, think it would have. You know, it would st still be the same thing. It's just Optics that topic right now is triggered. It's it's a very hot topic. So it just elevates it. It does. Are you um, gonna get canceled for this? Huh? Are we going to get canceled for this? Oh God! If we haven't already gotten canceled, I think I think oh. we're going to be fine. Um, next match we had on Title Tuesday was Hikaru Shida, which we both like a lot. She was taking on Soraya. Now we mentioned this going into to All In that Soraya, her first you know, not her not, not her first return match because she had against Britt Baker, but her match back. Wembley being at home for the title, it, it it all painted itself into this magical masterpiece of 
redemption, right? A girl who was told she'll never wrestle again due to her injuries. Um, she gets, you know, released by WWE. She still wants to return. She goes through all this rehab and, and she ends up being able to come back and WWE doesn't bring her back. She ends up having an opportunity with AEW and she wins a world title. I mean, I think it's a really good story, but I don't think it was ever intended to last longer than one pay-per-view. Um, which kind of surprised me that it did last longer than one pay-per-view. But I think when you saw that it was title Tuesday and Hikar Shida was going to get a shot at her and Shida is in a lot of ways. Tell me if you, if this parallel makes sense, she is a lot like a Natty Nyhart. And what I mean by that is phenomenal wrestler. You trust this wrestler. You know that when this wrestler goes out, they're going to put on amazing matches they are stable and they're able to bring a level of credibility to a championship if there is any credibility in question. And it's just like it's in good hands with Karushita. A t- championship would be in great hands with Natty. It's just these people that you trust that you're like, wow, they're really good and I can trust them and I can put the belt on them for maybe six months or so until something else happens. But the Soraya thing, I think if you, if you thought that this was going to be a long-term title reign, uh, I think you were drinking the Kool-Aid. Would you agree? 100%. Soraya winning the title was your feel-good moment in Wembley. There with her parents, her family are huge deals over there. You know, like you just said, that, the good story couldn't wrestle no more. Had to retire. Comes back, gets her chance. Beautiful story. Great story. Exactly what you want to hear. It's lovely. I'm not making light of it. It's, it's awesome. You knew it wasn't going to be long term, and that just you, you'd be foolish if you thought that was going to be a long term answer or long term storyline. Uh, yeah, and, and Hikaru Shida. Yeah, she is AEW's Natty Nighthart. One hundred percent. Like you said, everything everything you said was spot on. Uh, no g- good wrestler, good in the ring, no nonsense. She's safe. She's everything you want. She's going to put off a solid match every week or every other week whenever you have her on. She's everything you want. She will make everything stable for you. She'll calm everything down. She will make the title something that matters again until you put it on somebody else. She's intern. You know, same thing Natty would be. You know, it's not going to be a long-term solution. She's not going to have it for a year or nothing like that. It's very much to just get everyone to settle down just a bit. Let's level things out. Let's take care of the chaos. Okay, now let's move forward. That's what it is with her. Now, my question about that matches because you're you're looking on Bleach Report, right? You got to report to what's the rating for that match? I don't think that match got a very good rating. Um, and and I mean, I'm 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 going to be honest with you too. I don't know necessarily know if I would say that match was great. It got a C. Wow. So we know Tony Khan owns Bleach Report apparently. If they're given that a C. Wonder when he bought that. <laughs> um, I, I just didn't think it was the best 
I mean, there were run-ins. There were a lot of things. It wasn't just your classic, let these two talents stand on their own and let them have a match. Do you know what I mean? Um, 100%. Saraya's not as good as as she used to be. That match, she was a bit... She was a little bit sloppy in that match, I think. It's well, just you, not, I don't know. It, it was not a good match. You, but you have to think about it, too. Like, the matches they put her in were predominantly tag matches, right? Because you can hide her. It, it, they're just, yeah, they're not going to put her in a lot of singles matches because I feel like it would kind of expose her a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And she's not the person she once was. And again, it's not a knock. It's just reality, right? Yep. So they have the the belt on their car, Sheeta. Love Sheeta. Um, obviously, I feel like, yeah, they gave her the championship, but the match itself had way too much bullshit going on to actually... You're going to give Orange Cassidy his moment with the championship. And you're going to have it pretty much straight up. These two guys going at it in a match. Probably not the greatest Orange Cassidy match, but a match itself. And then this one had to have all that shenanigan bullshit. And I get that, you know, Ruby Soho is upset with the with the group of outcasts and Tony Storm has lost her mind and this and that. But it's like there's too much of that bullshit going on. And I just want to get back to having really good matches. And I think it's going to be... Ruby Soho's getting wasted there. Again, I don't disagree. But what, what else? Lost do you... in the shuffle. She's doing nothing. Anything she's doing is dog shit. Well, neither is Britt Baker. No. I, you know, you often wonder is Britt Baker, you know, NXT bound at some point in time as well? Could you blame her? No, I'm not saying you can blame her. I'm just wondering if, if she's putting her feelers out there or if it's a situation of. You know, Adam Cole is here. I want to stay with Adam where he's at. We'll see. We don't know. Um, Then we finally go on to our main event, which is uh, the in-ring debut of Adam Copeland, the rated R superstar versus Luchasaurus, obviously with Christian Cage itself. Um, I don't know. I mean, I felt like this was okay. It It was a good match. Um, it was, it was Adam's first match in AEW, so I don't want to be too critical on that, but what I will say is it, it wasn't the Sheamus match by any means. I thought it was okay. Um, I'm really curious to see where this goes now because with Christian having the championship, is this a situation where Edge or Edge, Adam Copeland continues to pursue Christian because he wants to strip him or take that away from him because if that's the case now you have a little a little problem because you were going to have the winner of Swerve Strickland and Brian Danielson taking on Christian so you have to think that if you're pushing either one of those guys to take on Christian that there was going to be some likelihood of a title change happening or at least a feud starting with them Swerve doesn't end up getting it. Danielson does. Uh, is it a situation where Adam Copeland ends up, you know, getting causing a disqualification where Christian ends up retaining the championship, but then that ends up pissing off Brian Danielson, and then they end up starting something as well? well I don't know where you go with it. 
Um, I was always a big believer. You got to do something with Luchasaurus losing the mask or going through this process of questioning himself and maybe the mask dropping and then, you know, obviously doing something new with him. The whole dinosaur bullshit at some point has to stop. He can wrestle. He is good. He's very agile, but I just feel like he looks cartoonish when he has that fucking mask on. You know what I mean? The, the, the scales and all that shit. I mean, it's just like how I felt about Mantar or I love Tyrus. I love Tyrus in, in impact wrestling, but he looks like a fucking goat. You know, I don't, I'm not, it's not 1990 anymore. Okay. We're not, we're not doing this bullshit anymore. Like I'm half animal, half person. Like it's, 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 it's over. Right. We get it. Mantar. Like, (laughs) come on now. Not that bad. Not that bad. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, so it's going to be uh, Brian Danielson that's going to be taking on Christian Cage on collision for the championship itself. The match itself got to be, um, we'll, you know, we'll end up seeing what happens. I'm not really sure if you heard the interview that Adam Copeland gave about what actually led to his departure or at least something that led to his departure from WWE. Did you hear that yet? No, I I read a couple things on with the Judgment Day and everything. Or no, I haven't heard about the Judgment Day. So what happened was that was kind of also something he creatively worked on as well, and he kind of like wrote the story out where at the end, after he did all of his stuff in a year, they would all eventually turn on him. Well, what ended up happening was they ended up deciding to move up that whole thing, that process quicker because of the ascent to success of Rhea Ripley, the ascent of Dominic, right? Because um, they were getting over and things were going well for them a lot faster than they thought it was going to take. And then they ended up getting Damian Priest as the money in the bank guy. So it really turns into Dom is white hot, Rhea is white hot, Damian's white hot, Finn Balor is kind of the odd man out right now. He's he's there, but he's not on that level as the rest of them. So they decided we need to make a change. Um, and, and they made a change, and, and Adam said that they sped the whole process up. So there you go. And then obviously after that, Creative didn't have anything else for him. He ended up wanting to have one more match in Canada because WWE doesn't go to Canada very often. So he had this match in Montreal. Uh, He picked his opponent and he had his final match. And I find it to be very interesting. And and tell me if if you agree with this. That they said they had nothing else for him creatively. But the minute that rumors started floating that he may go to AEW, all of a sudden a contract came into him, was put on the table. I just find that to be a little interesting. Oh, we have nothing for you. Oh, however, yes, we do actually. So they they would both do that though. AEW do that too. That's been done in in wrestling forever. So, and his final match was in Toronto, not Montreal. In Toronto, I'm sorry, my my mistake. Yes. Um. So that's that's interesting. So Bleacher Report. So the NXT show ended up getting an A minus as an overall grade. The overall grade for Dynamite was. A B. 
again, no, they're probably not wrong. Honestly, from what I've seen, that's accurate. The, the the show itself, I felt like they had some great moments in that, like the Tony Storm stuff. I, I don't need to watch that bullshit anymore. I don't need to see that shit anymore. People think that some of that's t- some of Tony Storm's greatest work is being this 1930s silent era Marilyn Monroe. I don't know what you want to call it. A uh, woman who's lost her marbles. I don't give a shit about that. I want the gold, girl from Gold Coast again. The black uh, eyeliner uh, underneath her her left eye. I want that that fighter back again. I don't get into this whole character shit. I'm just not into that as much as maybe some other people are. Um, but whatever. You know, some people think this is this is fucking fantastic. I think it's dumb and boring and a waste of my TV time. How do you really feel? It's dog shit. Take it off the TV. All right. Um, let's talk about something that I think is going to be interesting. So AEW is already determined that they're going to have another battle of the belts. Another battle of the belts. So Tony Khan made the announcement uh, that AEW is going to have another battle of the belts. Um, and I do believe it will be going... Um, after a not a dynamite, I want to say it's probably going to be after a rampage. Um, and they're going to go ahead and they're going to do that. Let's see here. Up the upcoming TV schedule, Battle of the Belts. I'm, I'm sorry, standing corrected. It's Battle of the Belts 8. It's set to air 10 to 11 p.m. on October 21st following Collision. Uh, that's going to be from Memphis, Tennessee. Now, the report confirms this, earlier this week that the special is going to air. Um, it's the first one since July for Battle of the Belts, which took place in Calgary, Alberta. The show featured Orrin Cassidy successfully defending a championship against Lance Archer via countout. Tony Storm retained her AEW Women's Championship against Taya Valkyrie. And Luchasaurus at the time retained his TNT Championship when he took against Sean Spears. So they're going to have another one. It's going to be after Collision. So Collision is what, an 8-10 to 10 show on Saturday nights? So 10 to 11, they're going to do Battle of the Belts. Um, so there you go. Yay. Well, last one sucked. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? This is supposed to be AEW's version of Clash of the Champions that WCW did. But I just don't understand why in the hell we're still doing these things. I mean, it's it's... I don't know. They don't do it very often. I'm just not a big fan of it in in general. Um, Things I am not a fan of. Ric Flair is one of them. Let's talk about him for a second. Ric Flair has confirmed or he has clarified his feelings. He says in a quote, I have no desire to ever wrestle again. Well, if you believe Ric Flair never plans to wrestle again, then you might want to see a doctor. During an recent interview with PW Insider, WWE Hall of Famer and legendary wrestler Ric Flair spoke about a variety of topics, including his recent comments about still wanting to have one more match on his uh, Woo Energy drinks and so much more. Now, did you know Flair has an energy drink, Buster? I learned about it five seconds ago. Yes. He said, everything is great. I met my business partner, Chad Bronstein, 18 months ago. Um, Once again, nearly two years ago, my life completely changed. I still obviously am involved with wrestling. Ashley, his daughter, Charlotte Flair, and I love wrestling and pursuing other interests, such as cannabis and energy drinks. 
Those are two things that got us really motivated. Chad and his partner came up with the idea for the concept, uh, and they wanted to have a really good formula for a new energy drink. And actually, people love it. Um, so anyway, he's doing cannabis, uh, and he's doing energy drinks, which is wonderful. But as far as wanting to have another match, Flair says that, no, I'm officially done. Here's his quote. No, that was completely taken out of context. No, I have no desire to wrestle again. I could say, because I do feel great right now, and if I did, I could be better because I learned from the mistakes I made from my last match, which was I didn't I didn't hydrate myself enough. I only weighed 218 pounds. I didn't drink any water that day. That and a combination of nerves and everything else. You didn't drink your fucking water is the reason why you fell asleep. The reason why you didn't drink your water is because you passed out. No, you're 70 some odd years old. Okay. You have heart problems. You are not supposed to be in the ring at this point in time in your career. That's why you didn't look good. Uh, but people continue to point back to the, the the training footage he had with Jay Lethal and how great he looked. And I'll admit, during his training, he, he looked good. But again, it was not in the same context as a wrestling match in front of people. Um, but here's the funny thing. Ric Flair seems to change his tune a lot. And it wasn't that long ago that Flair made the comment that he would like to wrestle again. And in fact, he went even far as saying he actually thinks that he should have had a different opponent uh, for his last match. So I want to pull that up again. I want to read that comment to you. Do we really need to have this conversation? We do. I want to. This is painful. This is, again, this is a, one day ago via Yahoo. Ric Flair wants one more match in WWE. So this wasn't like six months ago, and then he changed his mind. This was a day ago. It said it's official. Uh, now there's three things that are for sure in life. Death taxes and one more match for Ric Flair. Nature Boy made headlines earlier this week when he declared that he has the itch to get back in the ring one more time again. The news comes uh, despite Flair competing in a very much popularized last match that happened in July of 2022, marking his official retirement from pro wrestling. Now, that was just his recent retirement. He also retired after his match against Shawn Michaels. That didn't last very long at all. Flair, who's 74 years old, is arguably the greatest wrestler in WWE history. He's continued to be a living legend. He made those comments when he was on the Chris Van Vliet podcast. This was another Flair quote. I want to wrestle again right now, Flair confessed. Isn't it crazy? I feel like Ricky Morton. That's the guy I should have chosen for my last match. We would have been great. Ricky Morton is still wrestling. Okay. So then all of a sudden now he says he has no interest. I think it's all bullshit. I think Rick says one thing, but I think either Conrad or the rest of his family say, when are you going to be like, when are you going to officially stop talking all this bullshit because you're 74 years old with a bad ticker. So uh, Ricky Morton, really? Yeah. Ricky Morton, 78. So no, he's not, but I'm just saying, like, okay. They're, they're both legends. We, we can both agree on that. I'm, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, both at one time in the ring were second to none. Mm-hmm. It's 73. Their combined age is 150. 
let's not see that. Mm -hmm. That has a recipe for disaster written all over it. Amen. Let's not. Let's just move on. Rick, just retire and just be done. Sell your weed and sell your energy drinks. Do some commercials. Have at it. Live a good life. Please don't come back. Please, please don't do that. Do the autograph, sir. He's coming to Toronto, okay? Mm-hmm. You, they say he's broke. Okay? He's coming to Toronto. Let's see if I can find it. The cost of an autograph is ridiculous. Um, see if I can find... The um, what it's what it's cost. It's like a grand to get your picture done with them. Yeah, look that up because I'd like to know. It's it's just stupid. See if I can find it again. Because he's coming up, and so is Mike Tyson, and there's some others as well. But uh, what's this the one? A lot of hockey players, of course. Sure. I, I I don't know. Like I like the meet and greets. I do. But the meet and greets have to be reasonable. The meet and greets have to be something that the average Joe Blow can pay for. Come in, have a little moment of nostalgia, enjoy themselves, get an autograph, get a picture. In my opinion, a picture, a Polaroid, because that's normally what they are, or with your phone, probably your phone now. What am I thinking? Yeah, Polaroid. So you get your picture taken and you, you bring something to get signed. I think a picture and a signing total should be no more than 50 bucks. Okay, so this is a regular autograph. So you got to pay to get into this, okay? So what's the general admission for this thing? Um, I'm asking more questions. That's okay. Let's figure it out. Um, general admission, $25 per day. Okay. Which is, that's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, gotcha. Now we're going to get to the autograph part. 25 bucks to get in the door. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's just a walk-in. So now we got Ric Flair. So you want an autograph on an okay. item you provide. Yes. $115 plus tax. If it's a premium autograph on something we provide so like a belt yes 200 plus tax if you want a picture taken with your own phone 115 dollars plus tax if you want him to add nature boy to any autograph so he apparently his autographs are rick flair okay if you want him to put nature boy rick flair it's an extra $115. If you want the picture uh, on your own phone and an autograph, they do a bundle package for $229, so you save a dollar. Or you can get the fast pass so you don't have to wait in line. That's an extra $120. And they've done away with it now, but you could have got your picture taken 
with one of his robes. I don't see that on her anymore. He's not in it. You're in it with one of his robes. And I'll say 250 Who's got that kind of money? No one. So now you're looking at, let's see what we got here. So Brett Hall. You know who Brett Hall is? Mm-hmm. Hockey player? Mm-hmm. Autograph, 50 bucks. Regular autograph. Premium autograph, $75. Now, what the hell's a premium? So that'd be like on a jersey or something like that. Okay. Or a game-used helmet or gloves or something like that. Right. It's just just absolutely mind-numbing, these prices. Ray Bork, another hockey player, retired hockey player, Hall of Famer. Played for Team Canada, right? A absolute legend in Boston. Loved. $74 for an autograph. Why is Ric Flair so damn much? Why? I'm just trying to flip through. Who else we got here? Good old Wrinkle Dick can charge a lot of money. I guess so. Wendell Clark. You probably don't know who that is. I legend in Toronto. Okay? Just absolutely played for the Maple Leafs. Absolute legend. And this is where this, where this uh, fan expo is. $55 for an autograph. Right? It's just these prices are, are reasonable. 50, 55 bucks, 60 bucks, 75 bucks. I'm fine with that. But 115 And an extra $115 if I want to write Nature Boy on it. Yeah, I don't get the dis- I don't get the distinction between the two. Like if I if I was the one, you know, I would sign mine, you know, asshole Mike Freeland every time. I wouldn't sign. I wouldn't say, well, I'm going to sign it, Mike Freeland. But then, if you want me to put asshole in front of it, that's going to cost you another 115. Oh Why do you need God. to do that? Like you're you're getting paid 115 dollars for me to walk up, and you're sitting at your table mm-hmm. for me to walk up. Hello, Mr. Flair. Pleasure to meet you. And he's going to scribble Rick Flair across. Hand whatever back to me. See ya. Next. What, five minutes? Mm, oh, not even that. No, that's, but that's what I'm saying. Five minutes. Brother, uh, hey, I'll make 115 every five minutes. No problem. It's good living. Right? But if you want to write down Nature Boy Ric Flair, $230 plus tax. That's a little rich. Yeah, it never, it never stops the. It never ceases to amaze me how some of the. But here's the thing, they know they can get that, so they're gonna they're gonna push the envelope until somebody says, "I'm not booking you for this," and no one shows up for your line. But everyone's gonna show up because we all expect Rick to be dead soon. Like he could have been dead a few years ago. So they're thinking, I might as well get my Ric Flair stuff now because he may be dead. He was supposed to give up alcohol. He didn't give up alcohol. I can't blame him for that. But I went to a a convention a couple years ago. Bret Hart, Mark Henry, Tommy Dreamer, Billy Gunn, Hornswoggle, Jimmy Corderas, Lex Luger, Tully Blanchard, Jimmy Hart. I'm missing some more. I showed you pictures, sent you pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And I think I only paid $300 for a photo op with all of them, 
an autograph with all of them. Plus there were some other guys there, more more regional guys, and the event, the wrestling event. And Bret Hart's pretty big deal. Mm, I agree. Mark Henry, Lex Luger. Yeah, Lex is not the name he used to be, but he's still a name. Mm-hmm. Tully Blanchard, Billy Gunn, Tommy Dreamer, Hornswoggle. It's not like they're nobodies. So, I don't know. It seems 115 for an autograph is a bit rich. In, in it is. Opinion. No, no, it is. It is. It's extremely ridiculous. And, uh, Interesting. Well, somebody who might have once been rich but is not rich anymore is a man by the name of Phil Brooks. Phil Brooks used to be uh, a big name in the wrestling industry, and I guess to some extent right now still, but his stock could not be any lower. Uh, have you heard the recent issues with uh, with CM Punk and when it comes to his potential return to wrestling? Uh, last I heard was uh, WWE was not interested, period. And I never heard, I really heard anything after. No, that's 100% correct. So CM Punk uh, made contact with WWE after he was released with cause, mind you. Um, and he wanted to come back and he wanted to be a, a part of Survivor Series, which is going to be in Chicago this year. It would have been a perfect opportunity. Well, after many speculation was going back and forth about where they would bring him in, when would they bring him in, he's hot right now, his name's a big deal, Triple H, Vince McMahon, uh, Nick Khan, uh, and, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the person who now owns TKO, um, end up having a meeting, and they shot the idea down. So it looks like uh, CM Punk will not be coming back. The latest report revealed that WWE, like the Butster said, has no interest in CM Punk. Triple H, Nick Khan, Vince McMahon all declined to hold any conversations or meetings with the controversial, albeit incredibly talented, former champion. This comes after reports that WWE and CM Punk were in talks about a return for Survivor Series, which would be happening next month, but all accounts say that that never actually occurred. Now, Punk is one of the most popular professional wrestlers in the world, and fans have been desperate to see him. He'd been gone for nearly a decade before he eventually showed back up in AEW. A little over a year after being in AEW, issues started to arise with CM Punk, issues backstage, and most famously his issue with the EVPs. Tony Khan himself as well was having struggles, but it wasn't until... The issues they had at All In at Wembley Stadium were allegedly he lunged towards Tony Khan, and Khan finally had his final straw of Punk. After suspending him twice and stripping him of the AEW World Championship, he finally fired him with cause. Now, they have not talked about this publicly whatsoever, but again, right now, Dave Meltzer is reporting that the conversations uh, did happen internally. It was Vince McMahon, Triple H, Nick Khan, and um, they all decided that this was not a good idea. The cons far outweighed the pros, no pun intended. Now, that comes on the heels of comments that Bully Ray had to say about uh, CM Punk and if he would come back to Impact Wrestling or he would come to Impact Wrestling. 
Let me ask you this. We, we mentioned this many, many times before, but the thing that would prevent CM Punk from going to a promotion like Impact would be his price tag would just be ridiculously too high. Am I correct on that? 100%. He's going right. to want to get paid. So this is what um, Bully Ray ended up having to say about CM Punk and what Phil Brooks could bring to the Impact Wrestling roster. On a recent episode of Boston Open Radio podcast, WW Hall of Famer, Bully Ray, and he was joined by Mark Henry, speculated on what would the future be for CM Punk now that he's been fired from AEW. As previously reported, um, WW is currently uninterested in signing CM Punk. Again, they cited the negatives outweighed the positives. Now, this is what Mark Henry had to say. Mark Henry on wanting to see CM Punk versus Seth Rollins in WWE. He would go on to say, and I quote, I don't want to see nothing more than Punk challenging Seth Rollins. That would be a monumental deal for both parties involved. It would be monumental to hear CM's Punk music play and to come out and face Seth Rollins. Now, Bully Ray had a different feeling on this. He says, I think CM Punk would mean even more to the professional wrestling business in a different company other than AEW and WWE. I think he could help Impact Wrestling immensely, help raise the Impact stock, but I totally understand why he would also want to go back to WWE. Now, many fans have been chiming in on this ever since it was reported that Punk and WWE will not be doing business again. But Meltzer also said he was also told by WWE that we never say never for forever in wrestling, but it's not for right now. Um, it used to be a situation when Vince ran things that he would do what's best for business. That was a, a tagline he would often use. I'm going to do what's best for business, pal. But the thing is, is that Vince is not really in charge anymore. And there is some news swirling around that, Vince is not really in great standing with the new TKO company and the, the new owner of the TKO company basically says that he believes that the falling of the new TKO stock has something to do with Vince McMahon still being a part of the WWE universe. And that maybe something needs to change. But before we even go into something like that, let, let, let's talk about the punk thing here. Um, we both had heard that, you know, punk would, would be interested in going back, right? And would he be interested in going back to stick it to AEW, have a live mic and say his thing? Maybe. Uh, and then some people said, you know, on social media, that the WWE probably wouldn't want him to make any references to AEW um, and just say, I'm back, you know, and, and do his spiel. But now that's not going to happen. Impact may or may not happen. Do you think we've seen the last pro wrestling match of CM Punk's career? Hmm. No. I don't think he's done. Uh, definitely done with AEW. Most likely done with WWE. He's going to want that final match. It might have to be on Impact or something along the lines of like Flair did on a, on a bigger scale, of course. He's gonna have that final match. I, I can't see him just being done going out in this kind of terms. I can't see it. Because let's be honest, if he's just coming in for a short term run, it could be done with impact. Providing he's gonna take the hometown discount. Because he's not gonna he can't get market value to go to impact. 
No, he can't. He can't afford it. But if he just wants to have a run to go out, you know, on his own terms, we'll say a three month, six month contract with them for a, a friendly amount, enough to where it's he's making a dollar, but he's not making AEW or WWE money. He's never going to make that again because AEW will never bring him back. I will say that never. Like that's done. WWE, it's slim. It's never say never, but it's slim. So I could see him going to somewhere like Impact, signing something short-term, get a little feud with somebody, get a championship title reign, you know, and, and go out his own way. That would make sense. I can't see him just ending like this. Nobody would want to go out the way he's gone out. You just wouldn't. Just on pride, you know, on ego, on everything else. Because you gotta think this would be a hard way to be remembered. I walked out on WWE, did the pipe bomb, that didn't end well. I wasn't around for seven years or whatever it was. I came back to AW, I was a pain in the ass there. Hey, hey, you remember me? I'm I'm set up next to Virgil in the fucking New York City subway selling autographs for five bucks a pop. Right. Obviously, that's not going to, to that extent. But you know what I mean? This, He's not going to want his legacy to be remembered as that. I don't think. Or maybe he doesn't give a damn. That wouldn't shock me either. But I'd be surprised if this is how it ends. Yeah, when it comes to to Phil Brooks, I mean, keep in mind, when he left WWE, he was fired, and he didn't come around wrestling for seven years, and he didn't seem to have an issue with that. So if you don't mind getting fired on your wedding day and not going out in that way, how is this necessarily any different? I mean, as far as the give a shit level, you know what I mean? There's definitely... Value to I, I guess I'm thinking more for me. That's not how I would want it to end for myself. Because he's had a good career, and if I'm him, I don't want my legacy to be the guy that was a pain in everybody's ass and just kept getting fired. Even though I was over like Rover, the fans love me. I have a cult following. He's good in the ring. He's good on the mic but he couldn't play well with others and he just kept getting fired. I wouldn't want that to be how it ended with me. Yep, my last match, just before I came out, I lunged at the owner of the company and tried to strangle him. Had my match, came back to fire me. That's, I don't know, that'd be a hard way to go out, I think, for me. Yeah, no, I agree completely with you on that. I think it's a, a situation where, you know, he's such a weird guy. And I don't mean weird in like a negative connotation. I mean, just weird as in like, you can't really figure out where he's coming from. He's very cryptic in, in a lot of ways. And I think he, he buys into his stuff way more. I mean, I think he thinks he's this God's gift in so many ways to wrestling and I think if he had a little bit more humility, I think that would have went a long way with endearing himself to the AEW audience, but he didn't. And I also think he's he's a manipulator in a lot of ways. What he says in front of the audience is one thing. He tries to play himself off as, 
hey, I'm here for you. But I mean, in reality, he's there for himself, right? He wants to get the payday. He wants to get the big push. He wants the adulation from the crowd. And he wants people backstage to, you know, fall at his feet. Oh, my God. Phil Brooks is here. Oh, my God. It's not 2011 anymore, okay? Um, I just don't think he was happy grand total with with everything. And, and that's my take on it. So... Um, this is old, but I want to play this. Uh, give me a second here. Let me pull this up here. Come on. Here we go. So there's a lot of people who've said a lot of different things about CM Punk, and, and, and some people said they don't didn't really have an issue with him or whatever. But then there's some people who I do believe, like Kevin Owens says, he didn't really have an issue with, with CM Punk, and some other people said they didn't. But I feel like in some ways they're also trying to maybe protect themselves in other ways. And I think when it comes to other wrestlers who don't have a whole lot to lose, they're probably not going to be as hesitant to, to hold back, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. You got nothing to lose. You don't give a damn. Oh my god, why can't I find this? Hold on. Um who's the guy who does all the interviews? Um not Chris Van Vliet, but the wrestling interviews. He does like the, the shoot interviews. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I couldn't tell you his name though. Uh Sean. Sean Ross Sapp? No, 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 no. Sean Bob Ross. Is it Sean Oliver? Bob um, Ross. What? I don't know. Good. You go from Sean Ross up to Bob Ross? It's similar. Um, where is this? Where is this? I never thought to look this up for the show, am I? That's yeah, yeah. That's uh huh. Take a dig at me. I appreciate that. Every chance I get. How'd last week's show go when you uploaded that? Wow, it was nineteen seconds. What a sack of shit I was. All right, talk talk here for a second. Let me find this. Just. Who am I gonna talk to? It's you can talk about whatever you want. You can rag on me. I don't give a shit. The nineteen seconds I uploaded a new track. Everything's fine. So the floor is yours. I gotta figure something out. Hold on. Oh goodness. So now's a fine time to do a. Grinds my gears segment, I guess, this week. And what grinds my gears this week is people buying lottery tickets at the convenience store. I go into the store. Just got to pick up a couple things. And there's a jackass set in front of me buying lottery tickets and scanning them and scanning them. And then he needs this one with Encore and this one with Tag. And this ticket needs to have this many lines. Man, I got shit to do. The other people waiting behind you, like, you're 10 minutes buying lottery tickets. I'm not opposed to gambling. I like to gamble. Gamble it to your heart's content. But if you have a lineup of people in the shop behind you because you're buying lottery tickets... And then you're picking your scratch tickets, but you got to pick them yourself. Oh, I want that one there. I want that one there. I want two of this kind. Do you have that kind? Do you have this one? Go. 
just get the hell out of the way. Because us people coming in, like today, for a prime example, I was just getting gas. Pump my gas, walked on into the store, I'm going to pay for my $80 worth of gas and leave. So I'm waiting, and this guy's buying all kinds of lottery tickets, and you know, he's got his little pamphlet of different tickets he needs to buy for the Lotto 649 and all that stuff. Why do you do that to people? People have shit to do. You're holding up people's production, people's lives for your lottery tickets. Unnecessary. Just If you see a lineup, just get out of the way. And when the lineup's gone, buy some more tickets. Don't just hold everybody up, man. It drives me nuts. And that's what grinds my gears this week. That was really good. I'm glad you shared that with us. I would agree. People who spend a lot of money on on lottery tickets, they they know all the all the games. Oh, I want to play, you know, shoot my marbles, or I want to play pick the peaches. And it's like, do you realize that? And I know you can't win if you don't play. Like I get that, but it's like you're pissing away money. Realistically, you are not going to win. So. Why are you doing this? I don't even care about that part. Piss the money away. It's your money. You've earned it. I don't care. But I'm trying to pay for my gas and go. Right. No, there was honestly, I'm not joking, Mike. There had to be six or eight people behind him in line at the store. It's after work. It's 630. Everybody wants to go home and have supper and relax. We've all, everybody there is. Put in their work daily. Come on, man. Now's not the time for you picking your lottery tickets. Amen. Like, gamble to your heart's content. I don't care. I gamble myself. I don't have a problem with that. But I would never hold up six or eight people to buy tickets. I, I just, I'll come back later. I don't care. Or, hey, everybody, buy your gas. Buy your potato chips. Buy your whatever. Oh, they're all gone? Okay, can I have these tickets now? Just unnecessary. Very thoughtless. Cold-hearted bastards. Scumbag. That's right. Uh, All right, I got the clip here. I want to play this. This is uh, Hornswoggle, or now he goes by Swoggle. So uh, this is what he had to say about his experiences with CM Punk when they were both in WWE. Take a listen. About the word, I don't care about midget, I don't care about little person, I'm whatever you want to call me, as long as you book me for a good price. How about the special accommodations? This is Nothing. Like Nothing. That makes me okay. That require, like, say, listen, guys, could you get me a handicap room, Sean? A lower bed? No. A lower bed, which is a handicap room? All right, this brings up how do you measure up? Uh, we're going to play a game up on your screen. I'll give you some images of uh, little people in entertainment. Vern Troyer, got it. Two foot eight, so you are in fact taller. Earth Village is three foot eleven. Are you taller than Batista's dick? <laughs> Seriously, have you ever punched a guy in the kneecap during a fight? No. Dragon punched someone in the dick, perhaps. Yes. I oh. punch guys in the dick all the time. Okay. Some people golf. <laughs> Blatantly, I am a bully. I'm well, a, they I'm mean a... ribs. They mean. Uh... Someone would walk in the room and I'd say, oh, you fucking suck. Kali. Kali, I'd tell him he sucked every day. Who were the guys that did this? 
any specific specific instances come to mind. What? This is the line in the sand where you're either going to be Shane Helms, Evan Bourne, and Monster BC, or you're going to be on the other side of that line on you shoot. Please who, answer. Who is a other side, Cornette? Honky. Cornette. <laughs> honk. The guys that continue to work into their 70s. <laughs> God saves, right? Yeah. Front dick. You dick. Oh. First hand account? Play. Yes. You dick. Dick. You dick. Thank you. No one else would do it. Are you serious? Oh, when the cameras went off, everybody I asked. He's a dick. That's it. No, no, no. He's, he's cool. He's, he's cool. Cameras went off. They'd go. Thanks, man. That was great. It was a lot of fun. Listen, by the way, Shane is total dick. The reboot you did of Leprechaun was so bad. This is where Sean will say, well, James, how bad was it? I went to a theater to see it, and I was not only alone, but the manager and employees asked me when I left to shut down the theater for them. The other films in the series were more comedy than horror. Uh, that's why I enjoyed your films so much more. Yeah, also, are you a fan of the other films? Thank you and take care. The blind uh, and deaf Brad Peterson. Can't, no, I'm fucking around. No, he liked your film. No, Thank you, Brad. Sean Oliver, you think Sonny's porn career is funny. Wait till you see Dolph Ziggler try to act in Countdown. My God. What? I would rather watch my dead grandmother have a casket bukkake. <laughs> Were you surprised WWE never gave you the Repo Man gimmick considering you stole money from the company for a Wow, so that's that's just one little clip of him. Um oh I'm, I'm gonna get to this I'm gonna get to the CM Punk one, I promise you. Uh I just thought that was absolutely hilarious. Let's see here. So this is him talking about CM Punk. Um this was from WSI Wrestling. So let me pull this back up as well. Uh, Okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to pull this up. You'll be able to hear this. It's only a couple minutes, but I think it's a really good one. So let's take a listen. Um, you said that CM Punk had uh, fallen out with you for you uh, daring to ask a very, very basic question or favor. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're very, very close friends and uh, just ended quite abruptly. Um, which sucks because I said, yeah, we were, we were close friends, but it's, uh, eventually a couple of years later, I, I apologized if you ever took what I asked as treating him poorly. Um, and it was water under the bridge then hmm. but it, was, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad falling out. Pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, to explain what, what was it that you asked him? I literally asked him for a friend of ours number phone number he thought that was using him to get something all right but i think it that way was he always that difficult even you know on the road i mean the road takes a toll on everybody uh, i'm sure i was very difficult and angry and not nice to people at times but he you know at times it's been talked about he's been a He's been known to get angry about certain things really easily. Yeah. Do you remember the, Do you remember hearing when he just left? I think it was in earliest 2014 and he just went. Do you remember being backstage at the time or, I mean, what did you hear? Like when he, when he quit, you're saying? Yeah, when he quit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't remember hearing much about it. I really don't. And I, I just... It's so mind blowing to me. It really is mind blowing because he 
he was going to be in a main part of WrestleMania against Triple H. And like, you know, Triple H isn't going to take the back burner to many things. So I don't, I just don't get why, why he wouldn't be all for it. Do you think he uh, killed the business when uh, he uh, fought in UFC? No, not at all. Um, UFC is a is a completely different beast than WWE, uh, and and we 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 saw that for ourselves in those two those two events. Uh, I'll cut this question out if you don't want to answer it. Do you think uh, CM Punk should uh, pay Colt Cabana's legal fees? No comment. <laughs> you smell what the Rock is cooking. Enough is enough. Okay, so that is some of the feelings that Hornswoggle had. Now, if you go to Sean uh, Oliver's uh, You Shoot interviews, he talks more about the situation where he and Punk had a big falling out because they had a mutual friend who remains anonymous. We don't even know who this person was. So I, from what I understand was Hornswoggle said something had happened to his phone, and I guess he had lost some contacts, and he wanted to get somebody's contact information. And Punk determined that that was Hornswoggle's way of being a user, meaning using Punk to to get something, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. That's like if I ask you, what's Ritz number? And it's like, and then you turn me down and go, well, why are you using me to get Ritz phone number? Like, yeah. but we all know each other. Like, what's the big deal? But those are just some of the, the small one-offs with his personality that just... I don't know. It just it just gives you that weird feeling like you never know where he's coming from or what he's doing. And then you hear some people on the flip side say, man, he's a great leader and he's really good with helping the young talent out. And you hear all these other things. So uh, what do you believe? What do you not believe? I mean, the one thing I will say is I don't think there was a bigger CM Punk fan than Tony Khan. And Tony wanted this to happen. I mean, you could see the jubilation on his face and the excitement when when he finally had CM Punk on the roster. Oh, well, Tony Khan's a full full on fanboy. We we know that. I mean, that's right. That but is, I mean, to, but with everything that happened, and then all of a sudden to bring him back, and then not only to bring him back after what happened at uh, at All Out or All In or whatever you want to call it, then to create a brand new show with Warner Discovery which was going to be focused on him, his own television show. And not only his own television show, but the fact that they were going to have what they call a soft brand split so he didn't have to work with anybody he didn't want to work with. I mean, how much can you cater to someone before you officially say your antics are too much? It's it's too much for us to digest anymore, regardless of what your value is as far as ticket sales and merchandising. I mean, at some point in time, you got to say, I'm doing all this for a guy who just came in. Why am I not doing these things for people who've been here long-term? I think that's a fair assessment. Why am I not doing these to the people who've been here long and they've been dedicated to me outside of, oh, Punk's already an established name. Punk already has this, this level of support that's built up over years. You're bending over backwards to do things for somebody who is showing that they are absolutely counterproductive when it comes to the model that you have for your company. Uh, but then again, as we said before, Tony is very much a fan. And I think, and he's a big fan of ECW. That's why you see a lot of ECW guys show up 
on the program as well. Rob Van Dam's talking about how he would compare Vince to Tony Khan, and uh, he said Tony Khan is a very compassionate person. He brought in Sabu as well, and he's done these things. But it's like, it's. I don't want to say he is almost trying to relive some of his childhood and, and use some of these characters on his own programming. But in some ways, it's kind of hard to dispute that because we've seen it. And I think that's the frustrating part is you also have young people who could help your company grow. And you're not really putting that as a priority. And that's a, a frustrating thing for probably a lot of people. Tony Khan is his own worst enemy. I'm not beating up on AEW. I'm just stating facts here, man. The Twitter nonsense he goes on with, gotta stop. Give it up. You are an executive for an NFL team, a European soccer team, and in a professional wrestling organization. And you're on Twitter being a knucklehead. Stop. Please stop. It's not a good look for you. It's not a good look for the organization that you're affiliated with. He looks like a Kearney. When you get down at that, he looks like a full-on delusional Kearney. It's a bad look. It's got to be done away with. He's getting too wrapped up in it. it. Just just step away. There's not a war. We don't have this, this war going on that you're trying to envision. Everybody's not out to get you. Everything's not skewed against you. Just take a deep breath, man. It'll be okay. Life's still good. But let's just let's just pump the brakes a little bit, Tony. Stay off Twitter. Get some roasting on your Twitter for you. I'm sorry. You're not mature enough. We're going to take it away from you. We're going to ground you from Twitter. Because you've lost your damn mind sometimes. You can't argue this, Mike. And I see that look on your face. You can't argue it. He's He doesn't help. He makes, he makes people crazy. He drives people nuts. Tony does. And he's trying, I've said this to you, I've said this on the show, he's trying to make AEW create a pay-per-view on the old WWF video games we had, when you could just make fantasy matches. No rhyme, no reason to him, just I want to see that guy and that guy. That's what he's doing. You can see it in the story writing, in the storytelling, you know, all the creative, how storylines progress or don't progress how you see it over and over and over and he's won booker of the year two years in a row or three years in a row apparently now, how how much did that cost well, i mean it's it's the wrestling observer too so i, mean, I don't know yeah, so, so, he, so he bought that too fair enough no but i just i just think people for so many years all we had is is vince and we're a lot of people are sick of that so when they get an opportunity to have somebody else anything else is an improvement from that i'd argue that but 
Unless, yeah, the whole, I've gone off on a tangent now, and I forget what the original question was. I'm sorry, Mike. Can you repeat it? No, it it's just, you know, Tony himself it, it did all these things for, for, for Phil Brooks, and he wasn't doing these things for the other people who were with the company uh, from the get-go. So why would you literally give the world to Phil Brooks and you would not do the same for people who have been there and loyal to you since day one? Because he's a fan. Fan, but, and I also might say, do you think that, do you think the nostalgia, I mean, we talked about this before, the CM Punk nostalgia is definitely over. I mean, it's over with the audience, no matter what. He has that following, and you said it before. He could come out of retirement in 25 years and have a match, and he'd still have CM Punk chance going. Yep. But at the end of the day, when do you officially say, look, we gotta, we got to move on to the new generation? And it, it's, it's not the Phil Brooks generation anymore. You're in your mid-40s, dude. You're injury-prone. He's got that fucking tooth he's got to fix. That still bothers me. But I just I feel like a lot of people are catching up to the notion that this guy – can sell tickets this guy may be this that and whatever but his antics definitely put a bad taste in your mouth and you don't want to have that around the new impressionable young talent either but some people say he's great in the locker room some people say that as well so is the truth in the middle really like like all stories you say this i say that the truth's in the middle um to some degree yeah to some right? degree. So because there's no way that the rumors are going to be, oh, he's great in the locker room, he's a great leader. If there's not some truth to it. And there's not going to be the rumors that he's a pain in everybody's ass in the locker room. If there's not some truth to it. Um there's just no way there's people going to be all, oh, he's a great leader. Well, because it's not like just one person said it. Right. Because if it was just one person said it, you're like, well, you're his boy. So, of course, you're going to be loyal to him. But it's been said before. It's, it's come out in more than one article. Right. From you no know, quoting different sources. So there's some truth to it. Now, how much? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not in, in that inner circle. I have no idea. But there's got to be some truth to it. Mm-hmm. But, you're right. But we'll he's also a pain in the ass, too. Like, there, anybody can agree to that. He's also a pain in everybody's ass. Yes. I think that's very much agreed upon. We've covered so many things. We've covered uh, the title Tuesday, NXT and AEW. We've talked about Edge, now known as Adam Copeland. We've talked about Christian. What are we going to do with the new uh, resurgence of Powerhouse Hobbs? Where does Wardlow fall in all this? We talked about Max and the anti-Semitic segment he had with Bullet Club. We talked about uh, WWE and where they're going right now and how hot they are right now and, and the, the reasons why we may see more main roster uh, stars showing up on NXT programming. We talked about the buildup of the next AEW pay-per-view. We've also kind of teased a little bit about that War Games is actually going to be part of Survivor Series this year, which is going to be part of Chicago. Uh, as well, so big event that's going to be happening there. Um, I'm going to actually be probably mentioning a new project that I'm going to be doing pretty soon, and I'm excited about it. It's still going to be in the works right now, but I'm going to let everybody know pretty soon uh, what's happening with all of that as well. So all that in, so much more we've talked about. Again, we thank you so much for listening to the program. Again, my sincere apologies for the snafu that happened with the last episode. 19 seconds, that's that's a world record for an episode, uh, 19 seconds. 
It's uh, longer than you usually last. Uh, this is very, very true. Uh, I usually last about half of a commercial of a commercial break. So anyway, yeah, I'm here for a good time. Definitely in a long time. But for the Butster, I am Mike Freeland. It's been fun. It's been enjoyable. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material Break.